So I have three kids, as a lot of you guys know. Uh, the older one is Cade, he's eight, and the youngest is Landon, he's four, and they're very, very different at this point in their lives in that Cade uh, is a really good boy. He's got a really pure heart. He wants to do what's right, and, and you know that because if he does something wrong, he immediately uh, becomes very upset that he actually went through and did what was wrong. He gets very upset at himself, and he's real tough on himself because he's got the will to do the right thing. And so we'll be like, a bunch of us will be wrestling on the couch and just having fun, and then he'll get like elbowed accidentally in the face, and so he'll just kind of lash out and kick one of our family members off, off the couch, you know. So I'll pick my wife back up off the floor and get her back on the couch, you know. And, but, but what he does is, is it's like he lashes out and that happens and then instantly he just breaks down and he, he usually runs upstairs into his room and just cries and he's all upset because he, he wanted to do the right thing. His will was to do the right thing. And, and so what his problem is, is he's got an action problem, right? It, it's not that his will is wrong, it's that his actions were wrong. And I don't know if you can relate to that. Some of us who are like, man, I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. I want to honor God with my life. But your actions seem to end up somewhere completely different, Right? Uh, then there's my son, Landon. Kate's got a pure will. Landon does not, okay? Landon's my four-year-old. He's just a, a bundle of energy, and he just does not have a will to do what we want him to. And uh, he, he, since he's been two, he loves to run away from us in stores, especially. That's like a hobby of his. He just has to run away from us. He has to get as far away as he can, and he becomes very diabolical. Uh, he looks around. He's got this sinister smile, and he takes off. And he's very fast. He's got a motor on his little booty. He's just like, poof, he's just gone, you know? You can hardly catch up to him. And what he loves to do is, he loves to run far enough away so that he kind of can stop and turn around and smirk at you while you're running through Walmart like an idiot. And you're getting closer and closer to him. And just when you're close enough that you might be able to get a hand on him, he takes off again. And uh, this past week, we were in BJ's warehouse over there doing some big shopping. And uh, there's a door just like this. And I'm at the end of the aisle, like literally on the other side of 347. You guys know if you're in BJ's, it's just huge. So I'm on the other side of 347, that far away from him. And I see my son running toward the exit door. And there's a huge sign that says, alarm will sound. And he's just running toward it like this with his arms out. Like, here, here I come, you know. And so my, six, or my eight-year-old Kate, thankfully, is running after him. And literally six inches from the door, Kate grabs him and like tackles him to the ground and stops this. And I'm just imagining, otherwise, we would have been on News 12, you know. Family cannot control child, causes mass hysteria at local BJs, you know. So I'm very thankful that Kate was able to catch up with him. But Landon doesn't have an action problem as much as a will problem, right? So Cade's got a, an action problem. His will is there. I want to do the right thing, but my actions end up somewhere else. And Cade, uh, Landon's got this other problem where it's just, I don't even really care about my actions. Uh, I'm not even getting that far. I, I'm just stuck on my will and the fact that I just don't want to do what you want me to do. I don't really care what you're asking me to do, and I'm going to do the opposite, in fact. And you know what? I think a lot of us struggle with that as well, don't we? Just the will. Just God says do this. Well, I want to do that. God says, you know, don't, don't get yourself into this mess. Well, I'm going to get myself into this mess, almost because he said I shouldn't. I'm going to actually go that way even much, that much harder, right? And so we have these will issues, and we have these action issues. Some of us are saying, man, I really want to live for God. I guess many of us in the room are saying that tonight. I want to do what's right. I want to, you know, honor God with the way that I live, and yet our actions take us to a completely different place. You know, there was this guy, Paul, in the Bible, who said exactly that. He says, I do what I don't want to do. Well, that's an action problem. And I would guess many of us in the room are kind of stuck there. And so tonight I want to talk about these struggles that we have with our will and our actions. How do we change? How do we become people that actually, in the first place, care, have the will to do what's right, and secondly, can follow through 
on those actions. Because I think we all struggle in one way or another. A couple examples I can think of is uh, one is gossip, right? And sometimes when you're gossiping about somebody or you're listening to gossip, you are in your heart just completely happy to be talking or listening about this. You, you are absolutely excited about the fact that you know something about somebody else. You, you're delighting in the fact that they've done something or you know something about them nobody else knows or anything like that. And so there's this gossip issue, but it's really a will issue in your heart. Like God says, don't do that. And you're like, I just don't care. I'm, I'm taking delight in the fact that I know something bad about somebody else or I'm hearing or talking about this right now. But then on the other side, sometimes there's those of us who, in the moment, we're, we're, the words are coming out of our mouth about somebody else we shouldn't be saying, and there's a pit in our stomach. And we're going, I'm not enjoying this. I don't know why this is coming out of me. And I wish I weren't doing this right now. And you're kind of like my son, Kate. As soon as you're done, you know, the person gets up and leaves and they now have this new information that you gave them, which you shouldn't have. And, and you kind of like Kate go, why did I do that? Like Paul, you go, I just did what I didn't want to do. Well, that's an action problem. So we have will problems. Some of us, we just don't care. Some of us, we have action problems. When it comes to purity, this is true, isn't it? Sometimes we see something God's word says about purity. You know, don't have sex outside of marriage. Uh, don't look at, you know, things that are going to cause you to lust or stumble. And, and it's like, in your heart, it's just like, I just, okay, I, I hear that, but it like bounces off me because I just don't care. I just, I want to do those things. I'm drawn toward those things. And then there's others of us who, when it comes down to it, it's not a will issue, it's an action issue because we want to do what's right. You know, we really want to honor God, and yet it seems like our actions take us to that website again, and our actions take us down that road with our boyfriend or girlfriend again, and it's just really, really a vicious cycle. Some of us, it's a partying issue, right? We, we have a will issue. It's just, I don't care. You know, I know that God says, don't do this, don't do that for my protection. Don't care. I know God says, don't do this, don't do that, because it could end up hurting me or those that I love. I don't care. I just, I don't have the will to change. Some of us, it's an action problem. We go, I have the will to change. I've, I've heard enough people. I'm tired of breaking relationships. Those of you guys who are married and you're struggling with some kind of addiction, you're tired of hurting your kids or your spouse. And yet, you say, I'm never going to end up there again. I'm never going to do it again. And you end up with a hangover. You, wait, you end up you know, waking up not knowing where you are or how you got there. That's an action problem. So we have these will problems and we have these action problems. And I think we all struggle with this, and so what works? What works, right? There's a billion different self-help programs out there. We can, even within Christianity, get all these other answers. And you know what? Tonight, I want to talk with you about what I believe is the best answer, because there are some things that we can talk about as Christians that would help us become more like God, and they're good, and they're helpful, and there's nothing wrong with them, but tonight, I want to talk with you about what I really believe is the best. What's the best way to change? What's the best way to let go of those things that we seem to just struggle with constantly and be able to say, all right, I'm going to live a new way. I'm going to walk a new way, and I'm going to really let God do something deep in my heart. See, that's what I want. I want to really get there. I want to really change, and it's so important that we change. It's so important that we talk about change. You know why? Because the Bible makes two things really clear. The first thing it makes clear is this, that we are sinners and that we will need God's grace and forgiveness till the day we die. So that's big. So I'm not talking about perfection tonight. Don't get nervous. But the second thing the Bible makes clear is, is that true followers of Jesus do change. They're not perfect, no, but they do change. There is progress in their life. And if you're anything like me, there are certain things that I still look at in my life and go, yeah, but I want that 
to go away. I want to be different. I don't want to respond like that. I don't want to react like that. And sometimes it's a will issue, and sometimes it's an action issue. But either way, I end up at sin, and I want to change what, what will work. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And if you're not a Christian, it's awesome that you're here, because I would say you probably, though you might leave some of the God stuff out, would say, man, I can kind of relate to some of what this guy's talking about tonight. I kind of feel like I wish I could change. I kind of feel like there are some things in my life that I wish weren't there. I don't want those things anymore. And so tonight, I'm going to tell you the best way I know how to get rid of those things, how to become someone that is becoming more and more changed and different. So whether you're a Christian or not, I think that what we're going to hear tonight applies to you. And if you're not a Christian, uh, I think you'll hear some really, really awesome news about what's been done for you, and what God has to offer you. And so we're going to check out Philippians chapter 2. And again, this is written by Paul. And uh, he was writing to some friends. He knew these people that he was writing to. He hung out with them and spent some time together with them. And uh, here's what he says. He starts out in verse 12 in this section. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. So he's going to continue that thought in a second. But he says, look, I recognize that I'm talking to a group of people who know how to follow God. I, I, I was there, I was in Philippi, and I got to know you guys. And when I was there, you guys obeyed. Well, what does that mean you obeyed? It means you had your will and your actions under control. Well, that's what we're talking about tonight. And he says, not only that, but when I left, because Paul's actually writing this letter from prison for being a follower of Jesus, he says, when I left, you, you still, you're still following God, you're still obeying. So our ears should perk up here because we know that both Paul and the Philippians know how to live for God. They're not perfect, but they know how to follow God, and they know how to bring their will and their actions into line with what he has for them. So that's really important. And then he says this, and this is a verse that, man, it's very troubling. It's a hard verse to understand when it comes to Christianity. It says this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, there's a lot of things about this verse I don't like when I first read it. You know, and give me a second, and, and it really is awesome how it all fits together and works. But looking at that at first, you're like, there's a lot that troubles me there. First of all, what's with the fear and trembling? Like, why, why, why do I have to work out my salvation with fear and trembling? You tell me to be afraid of God? Are you telling me I got to be scared? Are you trying to manipulate me, Paul, to, to, you know, love God more than I do out of fear? Like, what's that all about? You know what Paul's saying here? And some of you guys need to hear this. He's saying, your salvation is a top priority issue. It's not just like, yeah, maybe yes, maybe no, maybe I'll look into it, maybe I won't. Our youth pastor Joey spoke two weeks ago while I was away, and he said that he's got some friends that are just putting off all the God stuff until they get much older. When, when, when you know, they guess they're going to need God at a later point in life, or they'll have had all their fun so they can finally turn to God, or whatever the reason would be. And what Paul's trying to say here is, look, this is like up to date now, so if you are here tonight and you're just kind of like hanging and you're doing your thing on one, you know, one day and then coming to church the next. And Paul's trying to go, look, knock it off. Like, let's take salvation seriously because this is eternity we're talking about, okay? So that's the first thing. But what's the second thing that's really troubling about this verse? Doesn't it sound like Paul's telling us to earn our salvation? You know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Is Paul telling us to, to earn our salvation? Is that why I'm bringing up our will and our actions tonight? so we can get these things under control so God will finally like us and he'll, he'll see that we're worthy of what he has to offer us. No, see, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying something very different. I want to try to explain it like this. Um, first, I'll say, 
uh, Tom Constable says that as you look at that, it doesn't say work for your salvation. It says work out your salvation. It doesn't say work for, work out. So we're not talking about working for our salvation and getting God's approval so he'll like us and then save us. No, we're, we're talking about something really different. Here's how I want to try to describe it. Um, if you come to my house, you can all come later. My wife might be surprised. That's fine. You know, just a few hundred people hanging out. But um, over at my house, we live in Center Reach, and we got a, we're blessed. We have a nice house. But right behind the house is a park, and right behind the park is Nichols Road. And the park behind my house, you might think, oh, a park. No, it's not a nice park, okay? And so there's like all crazy people there. And then behind the park, there's Nichols Road, which is crazy. And there's always like, you know, it's on the way to Stony Brook Hospital. So there's always ambulances and everything going by. And so it's loud. And so on a nice romantic night, my wife and I will sit on the deck and we'll watch a drug deal in a five-car pile up out on Nichols Road, you know, it's play some nice music. And uh, so we just hang out out there. But what we, what we always talk about doing is if we had the money, how awesome would it be to get just some like really huge shrubs and just completely block all that off, you know? Just let them grow up, you know? We don't have to watch stabbings in the park, you know? Here, here son, that guy's dead now, you know? But no, we'll, you know, just block all that off, okay? And, uh, and here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine, and we come home one day, and all of that is done, like exactly how we wanted it. The backyard is perfect. And my wife and I had nothing to do with it. Our kids had nothing to do with it. And we walk in the backyard and we go, how, how did this happen? How did this happen? And, and our, our families come out and they say, you know what? We put our time and our money and our energy into doing this. We knew this was important to you guys. And so we did this for you. And this is our gift to you. And we want you to just enjoy this. This is 100% a gift. But then they say this, you ready? They say, here's what we're asking you to do though. We want you to work out this, this garden with us, okay? We want you involved. We want your partnership. So we're going to come out here once a week, and we're going to, you know, trim the hedges back and pull some weeds, and we want you to partner with us in that. We want you just to come out. You didn't earn this. You don't deserve this. This is completely a gift, and, you know, we're not asking any money. We're just asking that now that it's yours, that you would partner with us in making it all that it can be. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, look, if you work for your salvation, you'll never get it. But it, you should work out your salvation, which means your will and your actions have to come in line with what God has for us. Now, how does that happen, though? See, God's, God's kind of like in that analogy, like God going, okay, I want you to come alongside me, and I want you to take out the hedge, hedge clippers and, and work along with me and, and help pull some weeds out of your heart, some of the sin, some of the lust, some of the pride, some of the anger, some of the addictions. Like, work with me, partner with me. Now, some of you guys are a little nervous because you're starting to think I'm talking about works here. And what I want to say is that there's a really amazing way that we partner with God to, to work out our salvation. It's incredible. The way that we work out our salvation is the same way that our will and our actions begin to change. And so how do we work out our salvation? What does that look like? Well, let's look at verse 13. So he comes out of that verse, and then he goes into this. He says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. It's God who works in you on two things. That's interesting because look, look at what he says. He says to will and to act. That's funny because all night tonight we've been talking about our will and our actions. We've been talking about how our will struggles to want to do what God wants us to do. We've been talking about how our actions, even when our will is saying, yeah, yeah, let's do that, our actions tend to take us over here to the opposite side and do what God doesn't want us to do. And what Paul is saying here is, 
Are you, are you trying to change? Did you want to change? Did you want to stop doing that thing? Did you want to become new? Did you want to have a new heart and, and a new way about you? Well, it's interesting because there's only one way that happens, and the way that happens is when God himself works in you to will, to desire, to do the right thing, to want to not look at porn, to want to not scream at your spouse or your kids or your parents, and to act so that the desire isn't just there, but that you're actually acting on it now. So I'll ask you the question, what's the best way, according to this verse, to change your will and your desires? Well, it's to go to the one who can change them. It doesn't say it's you who works in you. It says it's God who works in you to will. And what's the best way to change your actions? Again, it doesn't say it's you who works in you. It's, no, 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 it's, it's God who works in you to change your actions. And so as we talk about this and as we think about what this looks like for us, what he's saying is really, really powerful. Basically what he's saying is the best way for you to work out your salvation is to go to the one that can work it in you. The best way for you to work out your salvation, to partner with God, to come out with the hedge, you know, the hedge clippers and, and grab some weeds and stuff like that, isn't actually to keep trying and trying and trying. Now, self-control is a God-given thing, and we should use it. But I'm not here to tell you tonight you got to try harder. I'm here to tell you you got to get closer. you got to get closer to the gardener because he's holding the hedge clippers. He, he's the one pulling the weeds ultimately in your heart and my heart. And so if you're coming in the room tonight going, oh, I'm just driving myself crazy trying to stop doing fill in the blank, then the answer for you is get closer to the one who can do something about it. Get closer to the one who will work on that heart issue, that will work on the actions that continue to flow out of that heart issue. And so this is really a message about being near Jesus. It's a message about being in conversation with the Holy Spirit. I've talked with you guys before about the fact that sometimes we try to do Christianity without Christ. You know, I'm going to do the right thing, man. The Bible says I should. I'm going to do it. And then we just try to do it all ourselves, and there's no Jesus involved. And that's when we fall really, really flat. And so tonight what I'm saying is, is if you have issues in your heart, you have issues in the way that you act or the wills or the desires, then the one who can change it is not you. And it's not a counselor, although God can use counseling. It's not an accountability partner, although God can use accountability partners. They're all good things. But ultimately, if you want to be different, you have to go to him because that, he's the only answer in that verse. It doesn't say your, your therapist is in there. It doesn't say your accountability partner is in there. It doesn't say you're in there. It says God is the one who works to change your will and your actions. So we have to partner with him. Um, I, not so much anymore, but, but uh, in the last probably 10 years of my life, I've given a lot of drum lessons to kids, and uh, some great kids that'll come, and, and they just got it, man. They get on the set, and you know, it's their first lesson. They already can kind of carry a beat, and you're like, sweet, this is going to be good. And then you have the terrible ones, man, and you're just like, kill me now. You know, it's just like, I don't want to be here, and they're bad, and, and, and they're up there, and they're trying, and some of, them, some of them have a will issue. They really don't want to be there. They don't practice. They don't really care. They don't really want to get good. Mom's making them do it or whatever. And then there are others who just have action issues. They, they, they want to be good, man. They think they're good. They're not. They, they think they're good, but they have action issues, man. Once they get up there, they just can't carry it, and they can't do what they're supposed to do. And so what I'll do 
is I actually want to illustrate it for you. I actually need a guy that I kind of know pretty well. Uh, Steve, come up here. Is that all right with Steve? My buddy Steve. Steve's our parking team uh, leader. And uh, if you want to join a great parking team, see this man. Steve, can you play drums? No. Thank you. Okay, good. That's why I picked you. <laughs> uh, so if you want someone to build you a motorcycle, you get him, not drums, okay? Uh, but here's what I do. Come here, Steve. Come on. I feel like I'm a magician. Have we ever met before? Okay. I'm about to saw you in half. Okay. What's up? Sit down. Sit down. This is going to be fun, yes. So this is going to be a little awkward, Steve. Already forgive me? Especially because you're, like, very big. So, all right, grab the sticks. All right, cool, here we go. And just put your foot on that thing, okay? All right, so Steve here, he's been, I've been giving him lessons for 10 years, has never been able to get the beat right, right? He's just one of these kids who just cannot get it. So here's what I eventually will do out of frustration. And, and parents are sitting in the front row, like, why are you doing this to my son? I'm like, just wait, just be patient, you know? But here's what I would do. Just grab their arms. Oh, you're too big, gosh. <laughs> grab their arms, right? And then basically, I just play the beat right through them. And I just, all right, buddy, just let me do my thing here, right? And we just get rocking. Steve's a drummer now. You guys see that? All right, yes. Oh, you lied. You can play. But you know what? I, I love it because the kid will play it, and then they look up and they're like, I did it. I'm like, no, you stink. I did it, you know? But thank you, Steve. But you know what? That's exactly the picture that I get when we talk about something like this. We talk about the fact that it is God who works in us, just like I worked in Steve there. I, I grabbed his arms. I played through him. And that's what Paul's trying to say. He's going, look, if you want to change, just like Steve, man, or, or one of my students could say, I just can't get this beat right. And I, the best thing they could do is come to me and say, can you play this through me? Sometimes I'm actually teaching my son Kate how to do it, and I'll do that with him, you know? And he's, he's determined. He, he kind of doesn't like it. I can kind of understand why. Steve knows why, too. When I grab his arms like that, and I try to play the beat through him. He doesn't like because he wants to get it. But, but the best thing he could do is just relax, let me be near him, and let me play right through him. Don't fight me. He tenses up his arms sometimes like, bud, if you want to get this, just trust me and just stay and just let me play through you. And that's what, that's what Paul's trying to say. He's trying to say, look, I want, I want to, God, God wants to live through you. He wants to play through you. The best thing you and I can do when we're struggling and we can't get the beat right in life, is go, God, I need you. I'm going to run to you. Play through me. Let your spirit live through me. I'm not going to do Christianity without Christ. I'm not going to do Christianity without the Holy Spirit. I want to be in this conversation with you, God. And the best thing one of my students could do or my son could do is come to me and say, Dad, I cannot get this beat. Would you help me? And I come alongside and go, yeah, bud, absolutely. And you have a father just like that. You have a heavenly father who wants to come along you just like that and play through you. But it takes something. You know what it takes? It takes you saying, I'm going to go to you. I'm going to go to you, God. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to bring you my porn. I'm going to bring you my pride. I'm going to give you my lust. I'm going to give you my anger. I'm going to bring these things to you. I'm going to stop trying to change myself. I'm going to stop running from you. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to lay it all out there. And I'm going to let my loving father play through me and live through me. I love this ending here. Look what it says in verse 14, and it's so encouraging. At first, it doesn't seem like it connects, but it really does. Look at this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. And then he quotes this. He says, children of God. He says, this is what I want you to become. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And he says this. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky 
as you hold firmly to the word of life. You, you know what that means? You know what that means? Just look at that, what's up on the screen right now. Then you'll shine among them stars, like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. You know what that means? It means that it will work. It means that when you bring your issues and I bring my issues to God and say, God, I have these problems, I have these hardships, I have these things I'm, I'm struggling with, I can't get past, that he will actually work in us. How do I know that? Because if I'm going to stand out like a star in the sky, and you're going to stand out like a star in the sky in a, what it said in the, in the verse before, in a wicked and corrupt generation, then that means God's going to have to do something supernatural in your heart and my heart to change us. People are going to have to be able to look and go, I don't know where that guy's will comes from, but I don't have a will like that. I don't know how that guy or girl can carry out their actions like they do. How do they love their spouse so well? How come they're, they're not, you know, filthy, you know, joking around with filthy language and stuff like this when, when we're hanging out and playing sports like everyone else? How come, how come they're different? Why is that? Well, it's because a supernatural God does a supernatural real thing in us to change our wills and our actions. And I love what it says there at the end, as you hold firmly to the word of life. Well, what's the word of life? Well, it's God's word. It's God's ways, but Jesus himself was called the word. And so as you cling to Jesus as you stay by Jesus, as you live by him and let him play through you, as you go out to him as the master gardener and you say, God, trim these hedges, man, pull the weeds, I'm in, I'm with you, I'm near you, as you cling to him, the outcome will be a changed life to the point that you will shine in a dark world. These verses tell us it works. We can trust him. We can believe that when we bring him our issues, the outcome will be a person so changed that everyone around will say, you stand out. You're different. I don't get it. I wish, I wish I could change like you have. And then what an opportunity we have to say, well, here's how. Here's why. Here's what God has done. I can tell you in my own life that this works. The, the illustration that comes to mind quickest is just my relationship with my kids and my wife. I can see so clearly the difference between days when I am away from God, when I, not, not because I'm like off sinning, doing some horrible thing necessarily, but I'm just unplugged. I'm just not listening. I'm just not letting him play through me. He doesn't have my arms. I'm not close enough that he could grab my arms and, 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 and play through me so that I treat my kids with patience and love. And I treat my wife with respect and kindness. I, I can see the difference on those days. And then I can see the difference on the days when just everything's crazy and there's madness and there's all kinds of stuff going on and my kids are doing this and things, you know, happen here and there and there's all this pressure and in the midst of it, though, I can go, God, help, God, help. I'm, play through me. Grab my arms. Play through me. I'm listening. I, I need your patience. I need your love. I need your joy. That's one I was praying for about a month ago. I just, I just for whatever reason, was just down. I was just discouraged. I was just sad about some stuff and I just, God, I just, I need a supernatural joy. I need a joy that's not mine. I need you to just fill me. And he comes through, he delivers. And so I don't know what your thing is. I don't know what your things are. I know I've got plenty. I know I've got plenty of things that I look at and say, I want that to change. I want that to be different. But I can tell you that God is gracious. And as you go to him, he brings that change in your heart. He changes the will. He gives you new desires. And he changes you. The actions, now are we going to be perfect? No. But more and more, there should be a genuine change. 
And you know God's really gracious in how he does it even because, you know, if you're here tonight, you're like, well, I'm not a Christian and I just feel like if God is even there and he's even real and he began to do this in my heart, I feel like he'd have to like just completely like blow me up and put me back together again. Like I, there's so many things that probably don't line up with what the Bible would say or what God would want me to do. You know, I just feel like I would be this massive like complete surgery he'd have to perform on me to make me this new person and all this stuff. Well, here's what I have to tell you, incredible news. The way God does it, the way he works is that on the first day when you say, God, I want a relationship with you. Show me you're there. Show me you're real. Let me know you. He doesn't just go, okay, and here is a book I put together of all your flaws. Read through them and get back to me or read through them and I'll help you with them. And what he does is he just very gently goes, okay, let's start with your anger. And he begins to just lovingly work on your anger issue like he has mine. And then after you, you start to feel a little bit good about your anger, he's like, okay, let's work on that pride now, <laughs> you know? And he begins to work on your pride a little bit. And then he moves to something else. And, and you know what? It, it's not like a fearful thing, man. You just come to God and he lovingly, like I would my son, just say, all right, but let's work on this. Let's work on this. You know what? God's really gracious too, because like my son, as he's playing drums, like I'm, I, I can let a lot slide with my son. Like, like he plays sports and he does a great job and he could be swinging wrong and I'll, I'll try to help him a little bit for whatever reason with the drumming thing. I, like, I, I feel like I gotta be on top of him. Like, come on, no, 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 no. Do it this way, do it this way, do it this way, you know? And, and I just felt like I gotta back off a little bit and give him a little space to learn and to grow. And so I'm not as in his face. And you know what? I think that's exactly how God does it with us. He, he, it's not like every second of every day. He's like, you're failing here, you're failing here, you're failing here. no. He'll just kind of let the Holy Spirit just convict you here and, and he'll work with you and he'll, he'll begin to work on your heart in that way. And then, you know, a few days later, just begin to nudge your heart again. And it's just so gracious and so good. But ultimately, what I want you guys to know is that if you want to change your will and actions, you have to go to the one who can change them. That's it. If you want to change your will and actions, you have to go to the one who can change them. Why would you stay with you? Nothing against you. But why would you stick with you if there's a God who says, I'll come alongside and I'll change you. I'll transform your will and I'll transform your actions. Why would you stick with just a person who's giving you advice or accountability partner? Again, use them. They're great, godly, awesome. But ultimately, you gotta decide. This is between me and you, God. And I'm surrendering my junk and I'm bringing it to you and I'm laying it before the one, the only one, who can actually make the change in me. And so God, do it, do it. I'm gonna stay near. You grab my arms and you play through me. Let's pray. God, we all need this. I need this. Every person in this room needs this. We struggle. There are temptations constantly. There are issues of our heart and our will and there are actions that fly out of us that we don't even recognize. And it's just like, where'd that come from? And so, God, we come to you tonight, and we just say, help, God. Help. We want to be people that come to you. We want to be people that bring our anger, and we lay it at your feet, and we say, God, help. We want to bring our, our impurity issues. We want to bring our gossip and our jealousy and our fear and all the things that we just cling to, our unforgiveness, our doubt. And we want to say, God, help us. You work in me to will and to act according to your good purpose. Help me, God, change me. And I thank you that you do it lovingly. I thank you that 
First and foremost, you forgive us for every last thing. And then you say, let me, let me change you now. Let me be at work. And so God, we just pray for your continued help. If you're a Christian, would you just spend a few minutes coming to him with your stuff and saying, God, here is where I need you. Here are the things that, man, as Doug was talking tonight, just were coming to mind. The thing I was thinking about, the thing I couldn't stop being convicted of, this, this issue of my will or my action. And so God, help me. If you're not a Christian, and I'm, you hear me saying tonight, you gotta get near God, you gotta get close to God, you gotta bring him your stuff, you gotta all this lingo about you know, this relationship. Well, first, I have good news because next, the next four weeks we're gonna talk about what it looks like to approach God in a relationship. Practical things, what it looks like to be near God. But tonight we would love to give you a Bible. Tonight we have people up here that would love to pray for you. But maybe some of you right now wanna begin a relationship with God. You say, I, I don't know how, well, I'll I'll help you take a step. And the step is to just begin a conversation. Like any relationship, it starts with a conversation. And you could just say something like this to God tonight, just silently between you and him. God, I realize tonight that I need you. I put my faith in you as my savior. I thank you, I don't have to work for my salvation. And that the way I work out my salvation is by coming to you, by being near you. And so would you teach me how to be near you? And would you show me how close you really are? And so forgive me for my sin. And I thank you for this gift of salvation that I could never earn. In your name, amen.